I always look forward to these conversations. My friend Rick Hasselberg, the president of the Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty, saw him at his recent gala at the Italian Community Center, which was very well done, by the way. Well, thank you. Yeah. I uh, did absolutely none of the work. Oh, you did a little stand-up. <laughs> so you were you were funny and, and, and on point, so I always appreciate that. So I, we, we talk occasionally, and I wanted to make this more of a general conversation because I spent a lot of time on the show talking about the, the run-up to the next year's presidential election. And part of that story for... The person currently in the lead for Republican nomination is Donald Trump. Multiple cases, multiple jurisdictions. Can you kind of walk us through? Because I, as as a non-attorney, and you're a guy who's argued cases in front of the Wisconsin Supreme Court, so you are certainly qualified, well above what I can tell people. What is this? What are these cases? And there's 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 documents. There's conduct related to January 6th. There's election interference. There's the Fulton uh, County, Georgia case, which... That's one I really want to dig into because there's a, there's a lot of plea deals going on, and, and apparently in the next few days there may be a lot more. So let's kind of do an overview and then kind of break some of this stuff down. Okay. So start by way of full disclosure. Um, I, I am a conservative. I do not like Donald Trump. <laughs> I do not like Donald Trump at all. I right. think he makes my side look bad. And I don't think he's really even one of us. Uh, and I think his conduct after the election was reprehensible. I think it was uh, a uh, both a moral and political failure. But the question that we have to ask ourselves now about that conduct and some of the other things that are alleged is, but was it criminal? And it's not criminal. It's not made criminal because we disapprove of the conduct or because we don't like Donald Trump. We have to look at what the law says and and ask ourselves, does this behavior meet the elements of these particular crimes? Uh, as an overview, I would say that there are problems, deep, I think almost fatal flaws with all of these prosecutions with the exception of one. Which is the exception? The documents. I think he is guilty on the documents. Uh, now, you could say that Hillary Clinton should have been charged, too. You can say that. A lot and, of people and, said that, and I, I sort of agree with them. And Yeah, that's not a crazy position. But the problem is, is that in the criminal law, the fact that you didn't charge somebody else is generally not a defense. Uh, it's a complicated case. It's probably the one that will take the longest to sort out because... Everybody involved has to have security clearances. And uh, so uh, let's put that one on the side. That one, I think, is, uh, uh, is, is, is legitimate. Yeah, you can say Hillary should have been prosecuted. But I have to tell you that there are people that go, have gone to jail for doing things like that. Mm -hmm. so, uh, the election affairs, interference stuff. Um, I, I think that there are... A series of problems. There, there are some problems with whether or not there is actually a federal offense in the Smith prosecution in D.C. And I also think that there are some First Amendment problems because, you know, we we tend to talk about, well, you know, whether somebody is an election denier or whether uh, Trump was uh, correct or Trump believed that he had won the 2020 election. I don't think he did. I think it was fairly clear by late December, uh, although there were still a lot of allegations going around late December of 2020 that he didn't. Uh, but uh, there's nothing illegal about bringing lawsuits 
to uh, object to election results. And so as long as we are within what are lawful ways to object to an election result, uh, including public advocacy, uh, I think that there are um, uh, both statutory and constitutional bars to prosecuting someone. And so in order to go anywhere with these cases, now we include the Georgia case, uh, there has to be involvement in some type of illegal activity. So imagine that we don't we haven't seen it yet, but imagine that there was evidence that, you know, Trump agreed with the Proud Boys or the Oath Keepers, whatever they're called, you know, to go storm the Capitol and violently intimidate uh, the members into sustaining objections to the electoral count. That would be a crime. You can't do that. But so far, we haven't seen any evidence that amounts to that. So elected officials, they lie all the time. That's that's not breaking news. That's not a crime because it's just something they do. And matter of fact, you don't have to confine that to elected officials. A lot of people lie all the time every day of their lives. But when you have a president's, and again, a lot of this I think will be determined in the actual court cases, who makes a phone call to election officials in Georgia asking to find votes. Is that not evidence of something? Or is that still him just saying, I have, I have doubts about the election? Well, it, it, I mean, the thing about that phone call is that, um, as, as, as really is so often the case with Donald Trump, it's ambiguous. And, and so, uh, he comes in there with his lawyers telling them that we think that there was all this voter fraud and, you know, he's ticking off examples of voter fraud and Raffensperger is telling him, you know, that's not true. That's not true. That's not true. And he says, look, there are all these allegations of all this fraud. Can't you just find 11,000 votes? Now, there are one way to interpret that is that he wants them to manufacture fraud. You could read it that way. Uh, the other way is, look, there's all this fraud out there. Can't you just – certainly there must be 11,000 votes, at, and that would change the results. So why don't you investigate and find that out? And so uh, I, I think what happens here is that what interpretation we give to this phone call sort of depends on upon our priors and our political leanings and what we think of Donald Trump. And I think that when – it's time to decide whether somebody has committed a crime. We gotta, we gotta shelve all that stuff because the, the thing about politics, and, and I have been, uh, very, very critical of criminalizing politics for a long time. I hated it when Trump would have these rallies and, you know, they'd all chant, lock her up, lock her up, lock her up, because we shouldn't, I mean, that's third world stuff. That's banana republic stuff. We do not want to do, uh, uh, politics in, but yet you in hear it way. every day, almost at a rally somewhere. Someone's saying that. Yeah, you are, and you shouldn't, because uh, uh, you know the, the problem is is that, uh, and I used to say this during the John Doe investigation, that uh, you know you had Democrats and, and opponents, some Democrats, not all, and opponents of Scott Walker who were who were cheering on the John Doe investigation, which had which was just rife with legal problems, and so you don't want to do this because. The problem is there's no such thing as unilateral disarmament in politics. And so if you decide, if you establish that this is an appropriate way to fight the political wars, then you better be prepared to have it be used on you as well. And perhaps it's better for us to stand down and to save our allegations of criminal behavior uh, to those relatively few 
circumstances where um, they are clear and provable. Rick Asselberg, our guest, president of the Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty, will continue the conversation after this on WTMJ Now. My guest in the studio, Rick Asselberg from the Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty. We're talking about basically the Trump trials, legal problems. So um, what's happening in Fulton County, Georgia, seems to me as a lay person, not an attorney, is that the prosecutors are essentially plea dealing all these other other defendants to get to the target, which is Donald Trump. Am I am I misreading that or is that what's happening here? Well, I mean, that's a typical I mean, that's a typical prosecutorial tactic, right? I mean, you, you you charge a bunch of people and then you 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 pick off the lower level uh, defendants to roll over on on the bigger targets. And so clearly, I think that's what's happening. Um, one of the things that uh, people have noticed about these plea deals is that uh, given the overall allegations in the case, which are like racketeering and conspiracy to illegally overthrow an election. I read that document once. I mean, it's it's it's, it's yes. down to emails and texts and, and tweets. It is that the consequences, well, first of all, nobody has pled guilty yet to anything approaching racketeering or conspiracy. It, it's sort of discrete uh, uh the violations of the law and the consequences have been um, very, very minimal. Right. And so uh, you look at these deals and, and, and one of two things uh, is possible. One is that uh, they had nothing against these guys, these people, but that uh, there's always litigation risk, particularly if the jury is going to be predisposed to be hostile to you. And so to get away without going to jail. I was going to say having, fear of jail. Yeah, to yeah. having any, any but you, right, or, or, but, but, but fear, I think, of an unfair verdict or fear of a, of an incorrect verdict. But they're not really asking anything of you. You don't have to go to jail. You have to pay a minimal amount of fine. You have to write a letter. I, they take it. That's one possibility. <coughs> Excuse me. The other possibility, I suppose, is that what they had to offer Fannie Willis was so juicy and so great that she was basically let, willing to let them walk. It's mm. possible. I okay. think that's unlikely uh, because uh, I think things rarely work that way. So I think what you're likely to see when these people testify is – uh, there will certainly be a testimony that is very embarrassing to Donald Trump. I don't know in our current environment whether that even matters because everybody is fixed in their position. Uh, there may be information like the Raffensburg phone call, which is ambiguous, but you could use it uh, in the prosecution. It doesn't really, it's not a smoking gun. It doesn't establish anything, but it's, it's, it's a, it's a talking point. It's an argument. Uh, or, you know, it's, it, we certainly can't rule out the fact that it could be something significant that would allow the prosecution to attempt to prove some involvement in illegal activity and not simply the advancement of bad political and legal arguments. Not to get too far into speculation, but what what might that be? A direct 
direction from the president, former president, <clears throat> to someone to commit illegal activities, sort of what we saw well, in Watergate? It could, be, it could be some evidence that, uh, you know, uh, Trump was somehow involved in, uh, you know, the, the efforts of, uh, you know, people to commit violence at the Capitol. I mean, we don't have any evidence of that right now, but, you know, it doesn't mean that couldn't exist somewhere. Uh, some people would say, although I think that the case law on this is unclear, that you might have a case if you could prove that Trump knew <coughs> that he didn't win the election. Uh, uh, I wrote a piece in the National Review a while back that um, explored whether Trump has a right to lie. The answer is he might. Let's take a break here. You're coughing a little bit, so we'll give you a chance to get some water, and we'll finish our conversation. Lots to talk about with Rick Essenberg after this. We're live in studio with my friend Rick Essenberg, president of Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty, a attorney, a gentleman who's argued cases in front of the Wisconsin Supreme Court, and we're talking about the Trump trials. So um, finish your thought, and then I want to ask you the Trump question, because all these other plea deals are happening. Could there be a scenario in, in that case, specifically, where he says, you know what, I won't run, but then you can't go after me? Could that be a real thing? Um, that's a tough condition of a plea agreement, asking somebody... Very unique. <laughs> to, yeah, to not you know, exercise their right to run, run for office. I'm, I'm not sure that they would do that explicitly. Would Trump take it? I, I think he would have to be facing something um, fairly serious and fairly certain, uh, because I, I, I do think that he's got this... Um, you know, a lot of people think that, and I, and I think that they're right, that the Democrats really want to run against Trump, right? Because, you know, Biden won. Uh, his basic argument was, I'm not Donald Trump. Right. And he wants to be able to make that argument again because his presidency hasn't gone that well. And uh, and, and the Republican, uh, a lot of Republican voters, about half of them, if you believe the polls, are more than willing to go along with the Democrats' plan in this. They, uh, they're more willing. You know, they, 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 they're, they're not wrong that there are senses in which Trump has been treated unfairly, right? And I, I think we can, I can say that, even though I don't have a lot of sympathy for the guy. But, uh, but uh, I don't think that the response to Trump being treated unfairly should be. Well, then let's make him president of the United States. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, I, I, I think that, you know, let's stand up for uh, for the for the law. But uh, I, I think the country would be better off uh, really if both major parties moved on to somebody else. Yeah, if we could figure out how to make that happen, I think we'd, we'd be... was a huge collective action problem. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, it's, it's, I, I'm startled by it every day. All right. So take it back to Wisconsin, the fake elector case. I've said you and I have gone back and forth on this. That I think Josh Call, whatever he does in Madison and in the Capitol, is waiting for uh, these other cases to settle. Then he may do something with the fake electric case in Wisconsin. Why am I wrong on this? Well, maybe, but 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 think of two ways to look at what happened, and at least consider the possibility that different actors uh, might have had different things in mind. I think if you look at what happened in Wisconsin, I think that the people who the Republican electors here thought. They were convinced by uh, this Chesbro memo that said, look, if you want to ever contest the election down the road, you got to have electors in place and you only will have electors in place if they cast their vote today on December 14th, 2020. 
And if you look at what the Republicans did, the electors cast the vote, but then they put out a statement that said that we've done this uh, in the event that down the road it might be determined that Trump won Wisconsin. Has that ever been done before? Uh, well, it was or, sort of, I mean, n- no situation is exactly alike because we don't have that many presidential elections to choose from, but there was something similar that happened in Hawaii. More importantly, is that a legal process or a legal act in well, an I election? Think that, I think that Ken Tresbro made a reasonable argument that you uh, uh, had to have uh, a contingent casting of electoral votes in order to preserve the argument later on, and that happens all the time in the law. We do things to preserve the ability to make a law later. I think they should have put something on the document. They didn't do that, but they did put out a press release that said, essentially, that that's what they were doing. Now, there may have been other people elsewhere in the country who wanted to cast these votes to create a dispute that otherwise wouldn't have existed and that may be a different thing when it comes to the legal consequences and whether a crime can be charged. And we got 10 seconds. Do you think something will happen in Wisconsin based on that action of those fake electors? I don't think so. Okay. I could do another hour with you, but I can't. Rick Essenberg, always great to talk to you and, and a pleasure to have you in studio. Thank you.